Linden Boulevard represent, represent, Zen Tribe Corp Quest represents, represent, represent, How are you doing? I uh, cannot complain, man. It's, uh, it's a rainy day and I'm um, just sitting through the rain. That's all, man. Yeah. No, you seem a little mellow. You seem not, not in a bad way, but you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. rainy day mellow. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. How are you, you doing? Know, everything good? Everything is good. There's planes constantly, you know, where I live now. I live mm-hmm. near a small airport. Mm-hmm. And so there's constantly planes flying over. All right. um, but it's not like JFK planes. It's like these little planes. Yeah, but little Cessnas. Yeah, Cessnas, got all of got that. It, got it. Just don't cry. Exactly. Just don't yeah. hit my house. Um, with that being said, who are you? I'm Otto, and who are you? I'm Kwaku, and this is Radio Zamunda. The? Dope. Shit. See, I, sc- I screwed it up. I was like, wait a minute. Am I supposed to say that? No uh, but worries, yes, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so today... Um, Today we're gonna go uh, uh, to the to format B, mystery mm-hmm. guest, mm-hmm. mystery guest, meaning they've been on the show before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have a couple guesses, okay. a couple questions, okay, and then we're gonna see how you do. Looking um, forward. I like this format because this format doesn't allow you to cheat the way you normally cheat. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even it's though just, the last time we did it, you still You're figured like the it out. Jets of the uh, Radio Zamunda, and I'm like. The uh, well, not nope. the Patriots. No, the no, Patriots. Nope. you're the Pats. Go ahead, no, go on, no, no, go I ahead. Can't, I can't go ahead, that. Belichick. I'm, I'm Please continue. Like, <laughs> okay, I'll be the that. Was, that was well done. Let me be the Giants. Oh, no, that was well done. <laughs> no, 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 they, yeah, they went under questionable was, circumstances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your subconscious I, I, I is I even telling you this with, yeah. with that one, but you know, I'm more like the Yankees and you the Mets. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Uh, shall we dig in? Let's do it. Making the musics again, tunes. you know. All right, man. All right, um, all right. Have the space to do it. But you know what today is? If you're looking at the screen, you know what's happening today. Uh, it's a Radio Zamunda interview. It's a mystery guest interview. Oh, dun, okay, dun, cool. Dun. All right. You know. I thought there were always mystery guesses. I'm not going to keep that in here, but you know, it's, why not? Yeah, sounds good to me. But it's a it's similar to what we did with our friend Cassie Flynn. Oh, okay. So I got to guess the. This voice. is someone who has been on the show before. Oh, okay, cool. And you have. We're going right into this. I, I came in, came in hot. I came in recording. Okay, all right. So I'm trying all to right. get the rawness right here, and I'm also yeah, yeah. trying to catch you cheating because I know what you cool. do. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, so, so who are you? Oh, great point. My name is Kwaku, and who are you? I'm Atu, and this is Radio Zamunda. The dope shit. All right. I, I swear, if you didn't do that, I would forget it. I know, like two thirds of the pretty time. psyched. Yeah, <laughs> I get all yeah. excited. I know. Um, all right, so um, we did this before, uh-huh. and it didn't really work out in my favor because you guessed right. it right away. Right, right. But today we have a mystery guest, someone who's been on the podcast before. Okay. And so you get to ask three questions. Three questions. And then you can make. Uh, did we did we do three guesses last time? No, you asked three questions and you guessed at the end, right? Yes. Yes. And this person was supposed to disguise their voice somehow or? Yes. Cassie did not do the best job of disguising her voice because you recognized it within two seconds. Yep. And so this person, this being, Mm -hmm. I told them Mm -hmm. um, that they should work a little harder at it this time. Okay. All right. Because you've got these weird powers. Got it. Got it. Okay. So with that being said... Mm-hmm. Um, mystery guest, I see you're on mute. You got the question mark here in Zoom. So okay. there, there, there are no telltale signs. Nice, nice. Um, 
Atu, I'm going to turn it over to you uh, as okay. far as asking your first question. Okay, mystery guest, are you in education? Yeah, yeah I have some education background. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a, that's a great. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a great voice. Uh, okay, so I, I'm going. Uh, okay. Um, oh man, I love that. <laughs> Is uh, okay. Uh, uh, yeah. So we got to keep it moving, right? Okay. So mystery. Get. So he said. He said he's in education. Okay. You think it's a he? Oh. Oh. oh okay. I, hey, man. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yes. We can genderize this. Um. Is mystery guest Dan Ryder? Oh, that blatant negative. <laughs> <laughs> That's- I love this voice. That's almost like a, that's like a weird, hey boy, you got a pretty mouth voice kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, it's, you know, the, the low register. Um, you went uh, for it by guessing you wasted yeah, yeah. one of your I questions. Just, I just wasted one of them. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like going through the whole, uh, I didn't hear an Australian accent, so it's not my man. Okay. Well, I um, I'm just gonna throw out another guess. Jeez, this Wait, is hold on. This you is can ask another question before you have to mm. guess who it is. That's why I was saying. I can ask another question. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, you know what? I'm, yes. a, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be nice. I'm no, gonna, no, no. Don't be you, nice. You don't want two nice. questions I, because you I, guessed early. You uh, want okay, two, okay. I'm gonna give you two questions. Two more. No, no, questions. no, no, no. This is actually really fun. This is actually really fun. Okay. Okay. Mystery guest, do you play music? I've been known to play some music in the past. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to keep this going because I love this voice. Uh, that's what I'm saying. You can have one more question if you want it. One more question. Okay. Uh, okay. He's. They have been known to play some music. They do have some education. Uh, I love the coyness of these these questions. Okay. Um, mystery guest. Um. Do you play the? No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Do you? I love to watch you struggle. By the way, yeah, no, this is good. This is <laughs> this is how you have to do it. You have to you have to stack the get de- the deck. Um, mystery guest, do you? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, see, I gave you one too many questions, didn't I? Oh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go. Do you produce music? Lots of negative. Oh shit! Okay, <laughs> damn. Okay, I have no idea. Then this is great. Okay, uh, so I'm just gonna go with a wild guess then as to who this is. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why Laura McBain keeps hitting. Uh, I'm, I'm just gonna throw out Laura McBain and know that that's wrong. All right. So, Mr. Guest, um, would you like to reveal yourself? It better not be TC. Oh! <laughs> How did I not go with Skinner? Up, man? Ladies and gentlemen, Skinner, Mr. Skinner Myers, Myers. Yes. in the building. Yo, 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 yo. Yes. Oh, yes. that that is that is a hard fail. That's a hard fail. Like I, yeah, that is. Um, I will take a hit for that because I am known as the guy who can guess everybody. But that 
was a gimme. I should have guessed Skinner from the beginning, yeah. and that is my own bad. But that said, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, one more time, Radio Zamunda OG level guest, guest Skinner Myers, number one guest, our first oh, guest, fantastic oh. director, fantastic writer, fantastic musician. filmmaker, musician, the whole thing. Skinner, motherfucking Miles Myers, what's up, my what's dude? Up? What's up? What's up? That was so much Killing fun. Bro. Yeah, man. That oh man, I should have guessed Skinner. That I will take the hit. That's you know, you know, Kobe missed every once in a while. That's wow. all I'm gonna say. Now he he did miss some shots. Michael missed some uh, shots. I hear you. So I'm, I'm sorry, you okay. went from Michael to Kobe in this scenario. Mike, Mike and Kobe did miss a couple of shots in their careers. Well, really quickly, they're still be champs. Before we dig into this, if you're yeah. Kobe or Michael in this scenario, who am I? Mm -hmm. You're like uh, uh -huh. I, I, I would give you no. Yeah, I don't actually. I don't know. I would give you like a Shaq uh, shooting free throws. Like what? Are you... <laughs> yeah, Shaq shooting free throws. That's what you are. Yes, Shaq on the free throws. Yes, sir. It's okay. funny, but never accurate, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or or Charles Barkley golfing. You know oh, what I mean? Wow. It's like that's wow. that's the wow. other one. Now you're getting yeah, personal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know that. <laughs> All right. So for those yeah. of you who actually never heard the first episode of Radio Zamunda, which we will probably have to chunk out and repost because it's not mm -hmm. on the, the the Apple servers or the other servers because we switched services. Way too much information. Mm -hmm. This is Mr. Skinner Myers, who was mm -hmm. actually the first guest that we ever had on Radio Zamunda because mm -hmm. he was the um, the perfect intersection between Otto and I. Um, in the way that he's a musician, but he's also a filmmaker and he's an actor uh, and a model slash. Mm -hmm. You know the people who like who talk about like I want to do this, I want to do this, and I want to do this. He's like mm -hmm. the person who actually does all of them. It's a slasher movie, <laughs> you know. He's the slashes, and and he's also an educator now. Wow. He's a professor. He's a professor. So, yeah. so he's like the perfect cross section. Mm -hmm. And and uh, when we interviewed you or we chatted with you the first time. We were just so in love with this process that I think your your first conversation was like six hours long. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I think it's also why we kept going because we 100%. were so lucky to have yeah. you. And it was such a brilliant conversation. I still remember the story you told me of that movie that you shot um, basically, you know, just like on your own back. Yeah, and right. uh <laughs> Kwaku and I got off of that and we're like, yo, this is kind of cool. Like, let's just keep doing this. You know yeah. what I mean? If you stunk, I don't think that Radio Zamunda would have had a second episode. You I don't know, even know if Ato would still be talking to you. I'd be like, mm, yo, that dude Skinner is whack. What the fuck did you bring him on here for? Boring shit, bro. But yeah. Skinner was hot. So, man, it's good to see good you. Good to brother. see you too. That was like four, yeah. uh, four or five years ago. Yeah. Right? Has that been that long? It was in person yeah. in Venice. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it's yeah. all yeah. together that, in one boy. city. Yeah, that's that was crazy. Awesome. That's when that you know awesome. we could travel and do stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and be in a room without together without masks. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. Yeah, man. All right. Shit. Yep. So the reason I wanted to bring Skinner back on, besides being the first guest ever, and besides being mm -hmm. amazing, there is so much happening in his world. Mm -hmm. um, and additionally, I think um, what we, you know, each time we do one of these, we're like, hey, all right, we're not done. And we did that after, I mean, it was like, I think it was, like, it was we hung out with you for six hours. Mm -hmm. but I think yeah. we recorded for like four and a half. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
I personally, I just wanted to be able to continue our conversation and then also hear about the amazing things that you've been doing since we spoke and what you have coming up in the future and sort of mm. talk about, you know, continue to talk about your artistic, your artistic process and how your worldview uh, shapes the art that you create. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. where to begin? Oh, where to begin? <laughs> Wow. What have you been doing over the past five, six years? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoot. Um, raising my children. Yeah. I have two mm-hmm. of them now. And oh, wow. uh, That's... just sell- my son just had an eighth birthday on Friday. We had his big birthday party yesterday. Um, we moved here. We're, I'm in Colorado. And so we moved mm-hmm. here eight weeks ago. And what was crazy was that we had all of our neighbors. We, we met all of our neighbors. They came over. And some of the neighbors have been here eight years, 12 years, three years, and they met for the first time at our party. And they literally, oh, wow. they literally lived two houses from, down from each other. And so um, now they want to throw a block party like they used to do. And <laughs> um, everyone's like, we can't believe that you've met all these people in eight weeks. You know? mm. And so that was, that was um, a big production, but it was fun. The kids have been very happy. My wife is happy, which is really important. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, good, yeah. And... Uh, Man, just been been grinding it out. You know, about to start a new job. Yeah. Um, now on the tenure track uh, line for CU Boulder in their film program. So I'll be teaching mm-hmm. there. You know, two classes a semester, and mm-hmm. I'm about to go to Paris in three weeks. Damn. Uh, okay. And then after that, it's Poland, then Germany, then New York, then LA. So. What for what? What was uh, that? So the, the feature that we sold last month. Uh, it's going to hit theaters December third, but. We're, we're doing our international premiere in Paris at the Champs-Élysées Film Fest, and then we're going to congratulations. Thank you. We're going to American Film Fest mm-hmm. in Poland, and then um, mm-hmm. there's a festival in Germany that reached out. Uh, we may be playing. It's an art house festival uh, in Mannheim, mm-hmm. I believe. And so, um, so in, after Thanksgiving, we're doing a special screening Q and A in New York City for the distributor, and then I'll be in LA for a Q and A with the cast, December third, mm-hmm. opening night. Uh, and what's the movie? It's again? called The Sleeping Negro. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. something that wrote, directed, produced, starred in, we shot, mm-hmm. we wrapped up production 2019. And yeah. uh, COVID hit us right as we started cutting the film, and it took about nine, 10 months to finish. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. just been riding that wave, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. seeing how people react to the film once it hits theaters and after that. Yeah, yeah, I remember you shot that stuff. Yeah, you were sending uh, a couple of like uh, not clip. Yeah, no, no, there was one or two clips that you sent us, and there was a couple of like screenshots mm-hmm. that were just beautiful. I don't want to give anything away, but um, one of the things that I, I admire about Skinner is like you have a great eye. Uh, you're you're a DP, I think, at heart as well. So like the shots are gorgeous mm-hmm. and they're lit gorgeously. And uh, for those of you who don't know what Skinner looks like, we're all like the dark <laughs> brothers, you know what I mean? And so he lights himself well, and he lights dark people well and it's a really sort of great to watch um but um your your whole entire process of putting shots together um we haven't spoken in depth about that but like i see from the work that you've sent me um including oh what's oh what's the uh where you and uh you and your boy are like stuck in an, a post-apocalyptic thing with the the, the computer talking oh, to you oh you yeah that was, i remember that, that short was, yeah yeah, I was, yeah that was a was web that series called, called who are you? I think who you are, who, are who you, you are. Yeah. yeah. And my buddy okay. and mine wrote and directed that. I just acted in it with a couple yeah. of really good actors. And yeah, that was, yeah. that was a lot of yeah. fun. Um, yeah. And it, yeah. It played soft by and they, they got onto some channel. I don't know, but 
yeah, yeah. It's that, fantastic. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, yes. But I diverted and and notice how he was like, wait, what was that again? Because the man works a lot so and he does a lot of stuff. Busy. Yeah, so he no. can't even like keep track of the stuff he's doing, which is I love that part. So awesome. So I love yeah. that. I love that you mentioned that point or that part about not wanting to spoil the film for anybody mm-hmm. because yeah. you know how you are with things being spoiled for you. Um, oh, right, right. No, That's me. This is entirely. Mm. Yeah, it, uh, who calls it a problem? Your words. Did I, did I wake up as quiet? Wow. I, I know we're close. I know we're close. Wow. <laughs> but back to Skinner. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so without necessarily talking about what the movie is, yeah. I, I mean, like, okay. I, I know that you and I have had these conversations. I'm sure you've had these conversations with Otto. There is definitely a theme to the work that you produce. Mm-hmm. Could you maybe talk a little bit around about, about the inspiration behind the film, which I think kind of ties into a lot of the work that, that I've seen from you. Definitely. I mean, you know, the catalyst was uh, about two years ago, I actually sold the TV show to Warner Brothers, Peter Roth. Mm. And uh, it wasn't something that I was hired to do. It was, it was a project the producer had, and my, part, my writing partner and I came in. We whipped it up, pitched it to Stars, MGM, and then Warner Brothers said yes. But in the process of negotiating the contracts, um, some other people on the team, it didn't work out. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. And my writing partner and I had a bow out. And I was really frustrated because at that point I had been um, kind of sort of playing the game of like, okay, Hollywood, let me try to give you what you want so I can get what I need. And it just, I just kept getting burnt left and right. And I got really angry. And I was, uh, mm-hmm. at the time, I think I was 38. And I said, you know what? If I don't make a feature by the time I'm 40, I, it's a wrap. Like, I'm going to move on to something else because, um, the shorts have done well, but, you know, short films, and everyone makes short films now. And so uh, that that frustration and anger was what started the writing process for The Sleeping Negro, but really The Sleeping Negro is semi-autobiographical because every character in that movie um, either has been me or someone in my inner circle at one point in my life. And mm-hmm. uh, being raised in a very conservative household, and dad was a preacher. And as, you know, as I've gotten older, he and I have, uh, our worldviews have gone completely opposite, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, working through that frustration, I wanted to put it into film form. And, um, you know, it was, I think it took about three or four weeks to write the script. Because usually when I get an idea, it just pours out. And then I have to let it go for a bit and then start to refine it, you know what I'm saying. Um, so after around six or seven weeks, I felt like the script was ready. Um, and I was determined to make it. And so someone had given me $2,000 in cash, and I decided to start shooting the movie and telling people, hey, I'm in production on my first feature. But the crew and the cast didn't realize that I had $2,000? Back up. Hold on. Um, Can I pause you? (laughs) We don't give out, like, awards like Dundies or anything like that. But if we did, you would get the award for, like, the craziest stories. Not like, (laughs) like, just, you know, just to back up. All right. Just to back up. Because I want to clarify this for people. I'm not in the inter- I'm entertainment adjacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. in the entertainment business. So, Otto, I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you a couple questions. Mm-hmm. If someone's shooting a feature, there could be a range of money that they have to shoot a feature. But what mm-hmm. do you think would be like, let's say, the lowest to, you know, maybe like a Star Wars range on average? Like, like the cheapest feature <laughs> that, you know. Well, I don't know. Like SAG experimental budget, like super ultra low budget. 10,000, 20,000, something like that. Right. $2,000 is going to get you catering <laughs> for like a week. 
right? right? And he's shooting a feature with mad, you know, he, he's he's getting, it's going to be shot on a camera. Yeah. Right? The camera yeah. itself <laughs> costs more than $2,000. I'll tell you that. The camera that I got here, right here, costs more than $2,000, <laughs> right? So I know Skinner, right? He can take that, he can stretch it out, and it's beautiful that he can do that. But like $2,000 to even start talking about shooting, to even say, like, you can't print all the paper for $2,000. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Right. So like Skinner is a hustler in the best sense of the word yeah. because he can take that and he can make what we, both of you I and uh, both you and I know what he can do, especially with uh, The Sleeping Negro because we've seen sneak, sneaks of it. Right. Now, I cannot believe he's starting a movie like that, right? And so I can't wait for everybody else to see it, but like, <laughs> two thousand dollars. I had to. I had to hold up. Wait a wait a wait. Right. Two thousand American dollars? Yeah, right. No, no, no. So, so this sorry, is not crypto, right? No, no, no. Yeah, it's no. not Bitcoin. <laughs> you're talking about. No. I mean, Ooh, so I, you wee. know, my my plan was okay. If this is all the money I had, at least I'll shoot for a weekend and have like mm -hmm. teaser trailer footage to mm -hmm. raise more money. Yeah. And so what I did, but you didn't tell anybody else. I didn't tell the crew. I just said, "Hey guys, I'm trying to ability." You know? I love it. And I just did everybody in my orbit. Like I'm making my first feature. They're like, "Oh, great, yeah. who's financing?" That's I was like, oh, "Don't worry yeah. about it." Uh, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so what happened was, I just looked at the script, and there's a the movie has a lot of surrealism in it, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so I said, "What could I shoot that scenes that I'm in?" with no dialogue. Mm -hmm. we sh we're shooting downtown LA and it's really noisy. So what we did was, mm -hmm. I didn't have a sound person for probably 70% of the film. We shot MOS. And okay, you also have to pause because some of us <laughs> don't know what these terms mean. Like Otto's eyes get really big and I'm like, <laughs> so this is important. What does yeah. that mean to shoot in OS? Oh, MOS. MOS. So MOS is kind of like, um, you're basically not shooting with uh, sound. You know what I'm saying? It's um, you're, shooting the, you're shooting the silent picture. Uh, so without seeing sound, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so I figured, you know, I could save 400 bucks a day if I didn't hire, hire a sound mm -hmm. guy. And so I, I had, you know, my DP, my first AC, my makeup artist, uh, my production designer, and then, you know, my brother who was uh, doing stills, but a little bit of PA stuff. And then it was me. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. we shot that first weekend, which was the opening of the movie. It's a shot where, um, you know, camera dollies down this loft floor and we turn the corner and mm -hmm. then I'm sleeping about six feet above the air, right? That, that's the shot I saw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the so, shots I saw. So uh, we shot that and um, I was like, all right, well, I got this footage and I just made another, I just scheduled the next shoot weekend because I was shooting on the weekends because mm -hmm. I was working so much. So I told mm -hmm. everyone, hey guys, we're going to shoot in four weeks. And then mm -hmm. we had booked everything, reserved all the equipment. And then I hustled my butt off to raise... Mm -hmm money as I went. So basically I raised mm -hmm. small amounts of money right before mm -hmm. each weekend and put in some of my own money. And we were able mm -hmm. to, over three months, we shot about eight and a half days. Um, I, I spent three months rehearsing with most of my actors. So, um, you know, we, I was shooting six hour days basically. And then I was doing one, one takes, one take at the most, maybe two takes. It was like a one to one shooting okay. ratio really. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I keep pausing you because there's yeah. so much here that's crazy. So I'm gonna put this in music yeah. terms. Mm -hmm. um, you 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 put your you have written songs. You know you mm -hmm. have a you have an album or whatever in your head, and you mm -hmm. and you're bringing in hired guys. Like, all right, we're gonna do this album. And they're like, how much money do you have? And like a studio is you know whatever, eighty dollars to four hundred dollars an hour, depending on the studio you're in. Whatever the case mm -hmm. is. Um, 
And so, you know, you go in and you record and then you say to everybody, all right, you literally just get one time to get it right. That's right. That's right. You get it one time to get your part right. We've been practicing. So we get one time and that's it. We, the Beatles didn't even do this <laughs> on Sergeant Pepper. That's you know what I mean? Crazy. Yeah. I don't know if you can talk about this from an acting perspective. No, I mean, you know, you're shooting. One thing that's helping is you're shooting without sound, right? So are you going to dub well, things in later? So kind we, of. We or? shot the the dialogue scenes had a sound person on set, um, uh, but we shot without sound for two reasons. One, to save money. Two, L.A. is downtown. L.A. is so loud. Yeah, it's too loud. Yeah. And so loud. I was able yeah, to make yeah, a movie in that neighborhood and have it be super quiet. So my sound was going to be sounds from scratch. Got it. Controlled. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when the actors yeah. were when we were shooting scenes, we had the sound guy there. Um, okay. It just saved me money because he was only there for three days out of the eight and a half days. Right. Um, and but yeah. but to but to cut you off to to answer Kwaku's question, it's like you know with acting on film, uh, anything can go wrong. It's anything from the actor flubbing a line, yeah. right, or there's a camera move that the director might not like, or maybe there's a focus issue or whatever. There's so many issues and you're shooting sounds like on location. So you're downtown on a set that you don't control. So it's not like being in a studio where you have control. It's like, you're now out in front of a, you know, an airport and we're trying to record this, uh, you know, yep. Beatles track and you have one take and wait till the airplane takes off. Okay, go yeah. five, six, seven, eight. That's what's happening. And don't get that it wrong is, because we're don't only get it wrong it because yeah. there's, another plane landing and now the cops are coming to chew us <laughs> off the corner so yeah yeah <laughs> that's bananas so, so there's a scene there's a 10 minute take in the movie yeah there's a there's a scene i'm gonna have to pause you after you tell this part too we know that i'm just saying it now go ahead there's a, there's a scene go ahead between my character and his old black friend who shows up and it turns out that his uh politics has changed quite drastically mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. it's a 10 it's a 10 minute uh, scene and from one shot it's a two shot from uh, a distance and we're framed and profiled at each other looking at each other and it's 10 minutes long and so you know we rehearsed that like a piece of theater for about two months yeah i mean we could yeah. not mess up rhythm had yeah. to be perfect yeah. we couldn't flub lines mm -hmm. and nike and robinson who's a great actor he um he was in this feature called thunder road with jim cummings and um he has a couple other features coming out and then he has this one uh, the sleeping Negro, and he just, just great. He used to, um, he used to play ball, I think, for UC Berkeley in college. Oh, okay. he was a, he's a baller. All, all his homies, most of his homies, went to the NBA, um, but mm -hmm. then he became an actor and uh, very mm -hmm. talented fellow. And um, we crushed it, you know. And that scene, unfortunately, uh, I only shoot on film, so we're shooting this movie on Super 16. And uh, we had an issue with the magazine. I forgot about that too. Because <laughs> I, I was going to mention that earlier. Yeah. Because shooting on film is like recording on tape. So yeah. that's even more expensive yeah, yeah. than shooting yeah. visually. Oh, so we, we, uh, there, we did have a mess. Uh, 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 the magazine basically was not flushed. Mm -hmm. The gate mm -hmm. was open a little bit. And so we didn't know until two weeks later. And Nike had, he was down south shooting a couple other movies. And so I had to reshoot that mm. scene two months after the fact. Wow. Um, but for the most part, we did one take, you know what I'm saying? And, mm -hmm. you know, I would say I had a 15 page scene with my fiance, the girl that played my fiance. Uh, mm -hmm. I had six hours to shoot that scene. So what I did was I pre-cut the, the scene, you know, so we, we yeah. shoot up to a certain amount 
a pages or a certain line. Okay, we can mm-hmm. the camera. And so when my editor got the footage, it wasn't like she had options. It was just like, you just got to, this yeah, is how it's going to come together. And so we got. Right. That was my next yeah. question. And so people, you know, basically, if you were to take a 12 hour shooting day, which is normal, typical, mm-hmm. I made that movie in four days. That's crazy. Yeah. And, That's got, you yeah. know, in the end of it, uh, with all the licensing fees and composer and all that stuff, I mean, we got the movie made finished for about $45,000. Wow. Yeah. Insane. And, and Kwaku, notice how he said they shot a 15-page scene in a day? Six hours. Six hours. Okay. So let me put this into context. Please. All the television shows I've done, all the movies I've done, the high-end $100 million movies that I've been a pleasure to be in, a, a day of shooting, maybe three pages maybe three pages this motherfucker just (laughs) shot 15 pages 15 in half a day that's like i don't i don't understand like it doesn't add up that's like e equals mc cubed that doesn't that make any fucking sense i'm like how Um, how are your actors because based on what Otto is saying Mm-hmm. Most actors aren't used to working that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are they responding to that? Because they're all, I mean, there's, there is, you know, I'm assuming there's the pressure of wanting to be the best version of the character that you've read yeah. and you've, and you've tried to embody. So there's that. Yeah. Then there's the pressure of like, all right, cool. I'm embodying this person. I don't really understand acting techniques. I know some people are method, mindset, whatever the case is. So you're embodying this character, but then there's the pressure of getting it right in one take. Then if you're used to being able to evolve over time to yeah. represent the different the the different changes that a character goes through 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 a story, so you're like you know you're all right now I'm in this place I'm in the place of I'm I'm this is me just assuming yeah. you you guys have more experience but I'm you know these three days these are the days that I'm really upset or these are the days that I'm that I you know that I'm I'm kind of lost as opposed to having weeks to sort of like do that and then lock into that emotion to be able to do the takes, the different angles, all of that, they're doing this in, in and it's weird. It's like you're speeding up to slow down because you Mm -hmm. spaced it out. Mm -hmm. But when, when it happens, it happens very quick. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the thing with uh, Julie McNeven. She's a a good friend. She, uh, we used to wait tables together um, in New York city Mm -hmm. back, man, uh, 16, 17 years ago. And she had, she got a, BFA from Boston University, I think, in acting. And I remember we were waiting tables at Tupelo Grill on 33rd and 8th. And she goes, you know, I'm moving to L.A. to become an actress. And, I'm, you know, uh, see every, see y'all later. And um, she ended up landing Mad Men. She did that for a few seasons. And, and then she's been working in TV and, and films pretty consistently. Who and is she on Mad Men? Uh, Hildy. Oh, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. Um, yeah. And so... You know, she and I have been wanting to work together for a while and I had all these projects that just kind of fell through. And I said, hey, I got something I think you may be into. Right? Um, and she read the script and she goes, look, I got to be honest with you. I think it's a great character. It's a great script, but I'm really scared. She goes, I need to think about this. Because in the, in the movie, she plays my fiance, my white fiance. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, she has to... She ends up, it, the whole scene goes from zero to 100, right? And mm-hmm. we're basically talking about meeting her parents for the first time. They love Obama and they're Democrats and all that. And she's a feminist. But by the end of the scene, she's, you know, she's calling me a nigger. You know? 
Mm-hmm. And so for her to go there, she was really afraid. And I told her, I was like, you know, yeah. and I was like, I was like, you can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good, girl. So it was. So when we were shooting that scene, uh, we get to the because I'm. This is happening while I'm taking a dump, and so <laughs> I'm in the bathroom, and we're going, we're going at it, right? And um, we're, we you get about ten minutes of shooting time on a 400 foot roll of Super 16 film. So we're rolling, and she's getting to that line, and she can't say it. And she can't say it. And she tries five times. She's like, fuck, and she can't say it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. Julie, just clear your mind, and then go to the, the most hatred, hateful place you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And then she finally got there. And, um, mm-hmm. and we, like, rolled out a film, you know. So mm-hmm. it worked out because... She's a very dynamic yeah. actress, and uh, mm-hmm. that scene, um, there's a lot of ups and downs, and so I was really happy how, with how it came out. But we had, mm-hmm. so I like to work, obviously, with my friends, and uh, the only person that I'd, I now got to know was uh, uh, Tunde Adebempe from TV on the radio um, with, uh, played the sheriff, and then I had Ray Don mm-hmm. Chong play um, this, Ray Don this woman Chong. that we had to evict. And so mm-hmm. Tunde was going to go on a trip with his wife and daughter but he read the script and he's like you know what i'm gonna push that trip but, and i'll mm. do the scene but i gotta be out by 2 p.m and we were shooting in pasadena mm-hmm. and i said okay mm-hmm. i think we can do it and we had that day we had about nine pages and so um he, he gets so he gets the set and we're locked out of the house because the person i'm, I'm getting the house from my former student is in vegas and she missed her flight and so she's wait she's like literally in vegas wow. she's like i'll be there as soon as i can so I got wow. Tunde, Radon Chong, my whole crew, and like we cannot get into our set. And so the wow. clock is ticking. And uh, but he was a, he's a, he's a big fan of Radon, and so they mm-hmm. were just having a chopping it up, chopping it up. And and I was stressed, mm-hmm. but they weren't. And so um mm-hmm. and Radon is a great actress too because I don't think people realize like her range, based yeah. on yeah. the old stuff she's done, and then she kind of got blacklisted a little bit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But man, she brought it hard, and um, mm-hmm. that last thing was pretty emotional and heavy. And so, um, you know, everyone. Just, the thing is, all the actors I worked with are all working actors. I'm, I don't, you know, I act occasionally. You know what I'm saying? Like in my mm-hmm. own stuff, and mm-hmm. occasionally for friends. I don't. I'm not. I don't audition. I don't really. You know, it's. Uh, I had to get back on the horse and learn how to ride a little bit. But mm-hmm. I was thankful mm-hmm. for my castmates because they could call out, okay, that didn't feel authentic. And mm-hmm. um, so I leaned on them pretty heavily because mm-hmm. I, I had, I played, there's a doppelganger scene where I play against myself, which was very challenging. And then I had to- And you shot that motherfucker in the day? Yeah, I shot that whole thing and I had birds flying out of my chest. I had freaking- uh, I, I don't, wait, wait. How, how, yeah. how, how, how. So you right. played a doc, Otto, you, doppelganger- you played something where you yeah. played against yourself, yeah, that's right? That's right. right. And that was one- hour of tv that took a week and a half to shoot one hour of tv week and a half to shoot he's shooting i'm assuming a one and a half hour two hour movie with at least one scene where he's playing a doppelganger so he's got to play himself they shoot a plate then he's got to go to the other side and i guess they have maybe you had an actor that kind of looks like you to do the over the shoulders so the actor that they've got to hire to do that has got to be as good as skinner the guy that would have gotten the role if skinner didn't do it right right? and so you've got to (laughs) shoot both scenes twice 
and then it was yeah it was insane. I don't understand how you're doing this. You are a witch. He's a witch. I'm telling you. Hey, Charlie, he's a witch. You know, he's got witchcraft. That, that dark magic going right there, dude. Witch. That is. I don't get that. With yeah. what did you say? Crows flying uh, out to check like birds flying out of my shit, chest. Bro. So, and we shot that in in the pitch black, right? So the whole idea was. <laughs> and he's lighting black people. Yeah, exactly. Damn. So, yeah. So there's uh in the scene I, I'm having this kind of it's kind of like a dream, weird thing going on. I'm sitting at the table, I'm smoking a cigarette, and this gun I have throughout the movie mm-hmm. starts to move by itself towards me. And then I hear a knock on the door, and the lights go out. And so I go out into the hallway. I don't see anybody, and I come back, and my and my own my doppelganger sitting on the couch with the gun. And we mm-hmm. play this game of Russian roulette, and um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so it was a pretty intense. It was intense because I was stressed out. As a director, mm-hmm. then you're trying to perform, and yeah. you have to change clothes fast. You, you know, yeah. uh, God, it was um, like I'll never make a movie that way before. But I really, mm-hmm. I really felt like I had to go through that to get this project done because um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, when you have that fire and that desire to do something, you got to see it through, even if it doesn't work out. And so, um, right, you know. Lo- <sighs> Man, there was like I built my own squibs for like forty bucks because I couldn't afford a nine hundred dollar squib set. What is a squib? Squib is, squib is when, when you, it's a yeah yeah. No, it's like when there's like shooting in the movie and the bloods, you know, it's like bullets hitting their body and blood splurting out. Like they usually those are really expensive squib sets yeah. and, de- and designed uh, squibs where it mimics yeah. you know. What a bullet would Yeah, it's like a little eye. exploding cap yeah. that you stick mm, to the victim. Yeah. And then, like, there's usually a special That's effects right. whole entire crew right. that sets all of that stuff up and they're firing off the squibs yeah. as the actor or whoever is shooting the, the gun. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But now it sounds like somehow this magic Negro over here <laughs> Seriously. is doing this with his levitation powers <laughs> while he's directing and acting in a yeah. scene. I don't understand yeah, it, how it, this It, it was happening. intense because. Um, I had so we we shot at this really beautiful loft of a of a of a brother who I had just met. His name's Kweku, an eye doctor. Sounds familiar. And um <laughs> and he was in Wisconsin. He goes, You can have, you know, my place for the weekend. Beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful loft. And I created a squib and so my makeup artist and my production designer had to fill the tube with blood and then they had to shoot it when I said, you know, one, two, three, as I shot myself mm-hmm. with this gun. And, um, man, we got so much blood on that ceiling of that loft. Oh, my God. And we couldn't get it off. Oh, my God. And I had to call, I had to tell Kweku, I said, look, man, you don't know me, <laughs> but, like, I ruined your ceiling. And he was like, okay, let me, when I get back, let me look at it. And he's like, yeah. it's, we'll just assess. And he's like, you know, yeah. it's not a big deal. I just have the building paint over it, right? He has really tall, yeah. tall ceilings. I, and, I, yeah. and so I was learning as I went with that squib mm-hmm. thing. But I, I had to do it, right? Because I needed that, that yeah, shot yeah. in the movie. So it was a lot of things I did on my own. You know what I'm saying? And, um, it, you know, we got through it. We got through it. And, and, yeah. and so I, I'm really happy. The movie's 73 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And okay. we were we had a world premiere at Slamdance. And then mm-hmm. that's when we got, you know, started getting a couple of offers from some distributors. And then we played Atlanta. And then now we're going to the overseas, you know, the, in Europe to do our European run with the mm-hmm. movie. But yeah, it's been um, it's been a wild three, almost three years, you know, with this project. So with with that, you know, from my experience working on things and doing my own small stuff, you know, um, 
one thing that is, I think, a mark of a good director with the great ones that I've worked with and what you, um, with you, what I've seen you do, how do you keep the motivation for the entire crew? Because now it's not a six-day shoot that's one six-day shoot, right? right? You're shooting over months. You've got to get locations. You're like, you're bobbing and weaving and all that stuff. And you've got to keep your actors, your crew. I heard there's a production designer, there's a sound person, there's a DP, there's, you know, maybe there's grips and electrics and all that stuff that are running this that all have their own homes and, and lives and so forth. How are you or what is it about you that you're able to marshal all of those forces to get to the end of something yeah. like this? Well, you know, it's, um, it's like being a hype man, um, mm -hmm. getting the crew to believe in the project as much as I do. And so there was a level of excitement there. And also, we shot six hour, our production days were six hours. Ah, and I fed them huge, very yeah. well. <laughs> I, told, I told my other producers, I was like, you know, we got to find money to feed everyone well. So it wasn't like mm -hmm. Subway sandwiches. I'm talking. Yeah. It yeah. was like, like no if it was tacos, it was like gourmet tacos. You know what I'm saying? Got and it, it oh, was like okay. beer at the end of the, sh uh, end of the shoot, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. liquor, and just like a really relaxed set. I don't yell at people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I come That's super prepared so that mm -hmm. uh, time is not wasted. And everyone yeah. said, man, I've never worked in a movie where, like, you know, you shoot and move on. Like, oh my God. Like, yeah. it's just crazy. It's yeah. fun. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you're rapping at four or five in the afternoon mm -hmm. and everyone go home and have dinner and you're not tired. Yeah. And then the next call time is yeah. 10 o'clock the next day, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, that, I'm going to try to maintain that, especially with this, this new project that I'm working on. I'm going to try to maintain that um, sensibility uh, with all the films I shoot. Because there's no need. I mean, I, there's no need to uh, get 20 takes or drag it out or yell mm -hmm. at people. I mean, then your prep wasn't where it should have been. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, That's the thing I've been learning just watching people like you. I just got off of a movie um, called Outpost mm -hmm. that was... Um, also shoestring budget and really ambitious project. And uh, um, Joe Latruglio is a great uh, comedic actor. He's on uh, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine oh, yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he, like him and his DP, to see those two work together was amazing because they had, like you, they'd been thinking of this movie for the last three yeah. years. They cast like their friends and people they knew, yeah. they, people that, that were really good actors. Yeah. They had this amount of time to do yeah. it and they knew every damn shot. And if anything came up, you know, Joe and this guy, Frank Barrera, who's now one of my favorite DPs, would go, okay, let's do it this way. And they worked as a team and it kept us as the actors motivated yeah. because we're like, I know he knows what he wants, so he's not gonna, he can't wait this time because he's on a shoestring budget as well and the and the thing about preparation is what i know about you just having conversations about you and, and i can't impress upon anybody who might be listening enough how important that is and it also reminds me of a past radio zamunda guest who has your same zeitgeist this cat ray uh, panthaki yes. who i worked with on my show um away who is just like you, he gets an idea and he said, he's like English. So like, he says it like this and like, just got this idea in my head and like, he'll shoot something brilliant. And I'll be like, Ray, how'd you do that? Well, I had a bandaid and like a toothpick and that's what I did. You know <laughs> what I mean? And you're like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, how the fuck did you pull this stuff off? So one day, yeah, that's, that's one link. I, you know, I oh, think yeah. you guys would dig each other, but mm -hmm. that's one link that I would love to see you guys like, come together like Voltron because you guys <laughs> oh. murder something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. For sure. Yeah.
So, and that's, yeah. it's funny, I was thinking the same thing, and I think you, you start to answer this question, but how does this sense of urgency and this need to um, be creative because of lack of time, funding, or whatever, affect your creative process and how is it how is it doing for how's it moving it forward because there's it feels like there's the creative piece where you come up with your concept yeah well then there's a creative piece where you write it yeah no but then the shooting of it yeah. sorry i keep this last part the shooting of it had to be creative as well yeah. and so it, it feels like there's like a wheel there as far as like so for your next thing the way you shot the, the sleeping negro yeah. does that affect the way you're writing it because you're realizing oh i can shoot this way I can't eliminate these steps if I want to or if I need to. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, um, I'm really big. So I'm currently doing a PhD right now and uh, through the University of Amsterdam. And it's really, I'm exploring how to create uh, a completely brand new cinematic language for black cinema that's removed from cinema, which I equate to whiteness. Uh, mm -hmm. And so looking at some of my filmmaking ancestors like Haile uh, Garima or Charles Burnett, um, Julie Dash, uh, mm. Billy Woodbury, all these filmmakers from the LA Rebellion uh, that made mm -hmm. this uh, antagonistic, uh, using cinema as a weapon towards uh, how Hollywood has portrayed black people uh, as the other. And, and so, you know, when you have limited resources, that creates a certain type of aesthetic. And then within mm. that, you find a new cinematic language. So with the new project, which is called Anger Never Dies, you know, um, it's going to be a completely different film, but there's, sim there's a similar approach to how I'm putting it together. But I'm leaning a little bit more towards slow cinema, um, mm. which uh, the filmmaker Andrei Tarkovsky, I would consider the godfather of slow cinema. In the what is what is that? What is slow cinema? Slow cinema is basically when you, you, you know, you're kind of shooting in real time. So... If a, someone's sitting in a cell, you may be, the camera may be on that person for seven minutes, right? Um, it uses locations as a character. So the, the actors may exit frame and you stay on that vista for two minutes, right? Mm. Um, filmmakers like Bellatar or, or uh, Sai, uh, Mi Liang or um, uh, Lab Diaz uh, mm -hmm. uh, or Pichapal, um, these are slow cinema filmmakers uh, who have created their own aesthetic. And so I'm, I'm leaning towards that, not only because that's the research I'm doing for the dissertation, but I'm trying to discover a completely brand new cinematic language for black cinema that is not beholden to uh, uh, Hollywood or Eurocentric way of telling stories. Um, because if you go deep enough in history, <laughs> the Europeans pretty much stole everything from uh, Africans and other civilizations that existed long before the Europeans decided to stop raping and pillaging each other and to try to do it to other people with different skin color. And so, uh, it, you know, white supremacy, the Euro Eurocentric thinking is very parasitic. Um, mm. it, it takes and says, oh, we created this. You know, you look at mm -hmm. Elvis. Or we built this. Or we built can, I, can, I, can I say yeah, that? <laughs> you know, and so um, I'm trying to break away from that with my own personal work. Uh, and it's hard because all of our institutions train us in a way to think in a Eurocentric way. So you have to spend your entire life on learning that way of thinking. Yeah. Churches, your schools, your family, um, mm -hmm. literally. So yeah. um, it's, a, it's, it's a challenge. And um, so the, the film is very blunt and antagonistic. Mm -hmm. And for some people, they can't handle that. 
Mm-hmm. They can't handle that because it doesn't have a three act structure. They're like, well, it feels like a first act. I don't know what to do with this. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. So, um, but yeah, I have to have a follow up after you because you I feel okay. Like a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just want to sort of dig in more into that um, the new language, you know, for the the, the new cinematic language, um, because it's something that I have been trying to figure out for myself, just acting wise, but also just art wise. And that, as you said, explodes out into white supremacy. And this this thing, I love how you said it was parasitic, because when you, I, at least in my experience, I can only expe- think for myself, when I try to think of the world outside of like a white supremacist yeah. world, right, where, where you try to break out into the, you know, ionosphere and look down at what you've been s- steeped yeah. in, it, it feels almost impossible. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I remember I was, you know, I was doing some, you know, music research and I was, you know, I was been, I've been trying to learn a little bit of music theory, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, okay, why is music structured this way? I love it so much. I'm trying to play so much. And then I started, I fell down a YouTube rabbit hole where it also pointed to how white supremacist music is mm-hmm. and how it's based on like 12 guys in Germany writing away and saying, this is what music is, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't include the polyrhythms that we come from. It doesn't include uh, the dances that we come from, because in most of the places that you and I, all of all three of us come from, music almost doesn't make sense without a dance component, right? Like there's there's so many. And if you go to, let's say, the Indian subcontinent, they have a completely different way of structuring their music. But that is always other. That's always like, oh, here's the one chapter on, you know, the Indian raga music. Um, but that's just what they do as it, and so we're all taught that music comes from Europe, which is not, and, and, and that goes, acting comes from Europe, theater comes from Europe, religion comes from Europe, every single goddamn thing. And so my, I guess, you know, that's my preamble. Uh, just what does, what do you think the new cinematic language that you're trying to talk about what does that even look like because i can't even imagine what that yeah. is if you can sort of summarize it if it's well, even possible i know it's I'm your still, i'm still trying to work through it but for me yeah. i'm leaning heavily towards uh the oral tradition narrative tradition and mm. african storytelling mm. avant-garde jazz um mm. uh looking at structures outside of a three-act structure like it's mm-hmm. almost um like nomadic cinema i mean if you look at the aesthetics mm-hmm. of third world cinema you know, it's um, you're kind of existing in between the spaces, you know, you're the mm-hmm. note between the note, like Nazareth Fatih mm-hmm. Ali Khan. Uh, the blue notes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, the note within the note. And so trying to, to exist in, to, in that space. And for me, mm-hmm. that could be surrealism, magical surrealism, um, black existentialism. Um, uh, and, and I'm still trying to figure it out as I go. And mm-hmm. whatever it is, most people are not going to be able to wrap their heads around it because it's not rooted in yeah. your central thought. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's such a challenge because even as an, in, in the academy, mm-hmm. it's an uphill battle. I mean, mm-hmm. the college institutions are, are steeped and rooted in white supremacy. The whole diversity, equity, inclusion is a performative gesture to maintain the yeah. status quo while performing that they care about the other. Um, but you get in a degree of knowledge, your oppressor is not going to give you your, um, the tools to your, to your freedom and liberation. 
Why would mm-hmm. they? Because mm-hmm. uh, their whole thing yeah. would fall apart. And so there's mm-hmm. your education comes um, from outside of the academy. Um, and, you know, it's, um, it's an ongoing process. I think with the Sleeping Negro, I, I discovered some things, some rhythms and some, and some tones that I kind of want to bring into the uh, anger never dies. But I, mm-hmm. I think my personal cinema is going to be a weapon um, mm-hmm. and, and very antagonistic. And those are the types of films mm-hmm. I want to make. So they're not going to be escapism. They're going to be hard films to kind of sit through. Um, mm-hmm. but necessary films to watch and you're going to need to watch them a few times to kind of think through what was being said. I mean, that's the goal at least, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and anything, because, you know, I'm trying to formulate a definition of what black cinema is. And mm-hmm. I, if it's, you know, just because it's black people, a black director or a black writer doesn't, for me, doesn't make it black cinema. In, in my definition, it would have to fit in, um, my framework of being the antithesis to Hollywood. So if, you know, if we're making mm-hmm. a black movie and it's, it's Hollywood three act structure, happy ending, sure. to me, that's not black. Mm-hmm. That's not black. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if you watch something mm-hmm. like Bush mama or mm-hmm. uh, bless her little hearts to me, that's black cinema. That's antagonistic mm-hmm. to what the system does to black people, black families It puts you mm-hmm. in between a rock and a rock. And mm-hmm. um, people don't have an imagination. Right. And we can't mm-hmm. see past late stage capitalism. We can't see passes, but mm. worlds existed before that was all here. And mm-hmm. so we have to work hard to have an, an imagination because we can build a better uh, system for all. You know, um, Neely Fuller Jr., who's a self-taught philosopher, he's about a 93-year-old black man from the South. He says, mm-hmm. you know, um, two things. If you don't know what racism slash white supremacy is, Everything you do know will only confuse you. And what we need to do is replace this system of white supremacy with the system of justice. And for him, that definition is those who need the most help get the most constructive help. And if we did that, focus on that, the world would look completely different, right? And uh, the thing about white supremacy is it plays both sides. And uh, it will toss up, it will give you a few Oprahs so that Mm -hmm. people on the lower totem pole can dream to be that while con- continue to, to loot and, and steal mm-hmm. and rob you of the life. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a big challenge, but yeah. at least you have to honor your gifts and just trying, I'm trying to do the best I can with the skill sets I have to at least um, be somewhat of a voice and be antagonistic to the system, you know? Um, I think you're selling yourself short a little bit with the skill sets that I have. Um, Don't hurt him, Skinner. You know Don't I mean? hurt him, bro. Woo. Yeah. Woo. My man just casual dropping jewels and science. Don't hurt him, I mean, Skinner. Bro. Woo. I love the end. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm cutting you off. No, no, no. Uh, keep going. Keep going. You had to follow up. Yeah. I just had to just dap him up for the, the antagonistic. What did you say? I just want to make sure I got that right. You said the filmmaker, your... Um, my, your, your personal filmmaking yeah. is a weapon? I'm going to use my personal, the films that I make personally, I'm going to use my cinema as a weapon. Um, I want to use my yeah, cinema as a weapon. It has to be antagonistic to the system always. Mm-hmm. And so um, you won't get escapism from my film. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. this, so this will circle back. You, you explained what slow filmmaking is. Um, how does slow filmmaking align with um, um, your outlook towards film, which I think is brilliant, mm-hmm. um, and it's and I love the idea of like the struggle to, uh, I love the idea that you don't even exactly know 
what it is. Yeah. This is this ongoing process for you, which is, you know, we, we tend to not in certain circles, not think of film as art because we think of it in that, um, in that really distinct format that you described the three act piece, but using art and, and using film for art and activism, it, it seems like a no brainer, but it's not something that we see regularly. So it's brilliant. How does slow filmmaking align with, with that ethos mm -hmm. within this next story that you're trying to tell? So, um, I'll say a couple of things actually. Um, so, you know, um, a lot of people can't sit, sit still, right? They can't, if a movie doesn't have a thousand cuts, it doesn't move fast. Mm -hmm. They can't still, there's a, mm -hmm. on Twitter, there's a big battle, fight about, you know, three hour movies, every movie should be 90 minutes. But if you look at some of these slow cinema classics, I mean, look at, um, Olu made a movie in 1993 called Santan Tango, or Satan's Tango. Mm -hmm. a seven and a half hour movie. And wow. uh, Lincoln Center, I think a couple of years ago, had um, revived it and screened it. And, you know, you sit there for seven and a half hours and you watch this movie mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel like seven and a half hours. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Lav Diaz has made a movie that's eight hours long. Um, what it mm -hmm. does is it forces you to experience something that's completely different from everything that Western society stands mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. um, and... It really weeds out those who love cinema for art or those who just want to escape and consume. Because sometimes a lot of people feel like, you know, they're doing politics by consumption. Mm -hmm. mm. And that's not, you're not, <laughs> you know. Right. And so with this new movie, Anger Never Dies, um, I'm, it's basically about this, it's like part, part of my father's story, really. Um, it's about this man named Mac Walker. He's in his late 60s, early 70s. He's a retired used car salesman. And essentially, he's losing the house he bought 40 years ago to this oil pipeline company, and he can't he can't face mm -hmm. that, you know. Mm -hmm. And his wife, um, she's having an affair with a younger black man, and he doesn't know about it. And uh, it all comes ahead when she decides to drive home drunk. She gets in a car accident, and he has mm -hmm. to now take care of her. She's kind of always taking care of him his whole life. And um, the day he's going to go pick her up from the hospital, she has a brain injury. The uh, pipeline representative guy, who's black, comes back with his white supervisor, and Mac decides to kill him because he just can't live with him losing his property. And and there's some voiceover stuff in it too, but it just kind of shows you that you can pursue the American dream and actually achieve mm -hmm. part of it, and you can still mm -hmm. be 70 towards the end of your life as a black person and have everything taken away from you because the system was not mm -hmm. created for you at all. Consequently, mm -hmm. we were we were slaves. We were not human. Animals had more rights than slaves. And we only became three-fifths of a vote because they wanted to do slave breeding in order to have more of an electoral vote. So literally, this country is not made for black people or Native Americans. Mm -hmm. It was founded on genocide and slavery. And so this whole time, one, you, don't, you have um, white institutions and white people not wanting to acknowledge the past. Um, so that's a problem. And... You know, the Constitution is not some holy, holier-than-thou document. The sucker can be adjusted and readjusted and fixed. And so, um, so I want to use slow cinema because I really want to show, like, later in life, the effects of time, white supremacy in America, what it can do to you, you know? Um, and so I'm making, after Anger Never Dies, I want to make the feature version of Frank Embry, which is already written. We have Tamara Tooney attached and... Chuck Woody Uji oh, right. on board, mm -hmm. um, but that's a much bigger mm -hmm. project and because of COVID, I was having some issues with financing. But that's going to be a really big slow cinema film because 
It's the last seven days of Frank's life. And it's totally mm-hmm. yes that Monday, uh, Monday through Sunday. And mm-hmm. we're talking, and I mean, it's, it's going to be pretty, pretty painful. Um, yeah. And so uh, I think what slow cinema does, it, it, it forces one to have an imagination, mm-hmm. to slow down, and to think outside of uh, this Western way of thinking about everything, even philosophy and right. stuff. Um, and, and it, you know, the, the great philosophers stole yeah. their ideas from the Africans. Um, and it and it sounds like what I love about the slow thing is I think that it's um, indicative of the problem that we're all having now, um, just technology wise, right? Like everything, like you said, everything is like a Twitter soundbite right. now, right? Yeah. And um, it, it like they are um, concentrated emotional um, sort of uh, hits yep. that gets you to focus on something for a brief second and then there's another thing and then there's another thing and there's another thing and you don't actually get to sit in what the actual problem yep. is because you're scrolling through this thing to find something else or your Instagram or or your Spotify account. You can just like sort of click through instead of actually sitting and listening and experiencing something, right? Movies are now cut, 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 because we can't, we we don't trust you, the audience, to sit and watch it. And that's, it's another thing through, um, you know, our, the way school is taught, Mm -hmm. I think, and the way um, our history is consumed, right? If we stay too long in the Civil War, white people are going to have to think about why we had the Civil War, right? But if it's like, oh, you know, Columbus came and he made friends with the Indians and uh, now we have Thanksgiving, yeah. right? It's like, okay, move on, move on. Don't don't look at the mess over here, right? And so I think there's something really sort of powerful about what you're trying to do where it's like even, even outside of, you know, sort of the white supremacist thing, it's like it's we're all bogged down because we are, our culture is, is, is a distraction. Mm-hmm. That's right. We are the culture of distraction, right? So it's like, don't think too hard or long about this thing because then now you have to face the past. And I think that's what you're trying to sort of reverse, which is uh, kind of counteract. Also also the other, you know, the other thing I I want to make clear too is that you don't need white people to maintain white supremacy. Because about black and brown Mm, people are more than happy to sell out. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to antagonistic cinema, there's a class of uh, black, people in power who are gatekeepers and their mm-hmm. politics uh, are not correct and their politics mm-hmm. um, are such that if they can utilize um, poor black struggle to fatten mm-hmm. their pockets they're going to always mm-hmm. co-op uh, mm-hmm. situations to do that and so because mm-hmm. um, you know it's like you would think oh we're making a black this film that rooted in like antagonistic cinema, a lot of black people don't want to touch that. I mean, I, you know, um, I'm not going to say who this actor is, uh, but he's had a long career and he's very well known. And um, he, we sent him the script to Frank Embry and he was like, oh, I don't want to make a movie like this right now. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, and I knew, and I knew why, you know, I realized mm-hmm. why. And it, it takes brave actors who are going to want to work yeah. with me. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, um, you signing on to do this project means you co-sign with the political agenda of what it's trying to say. Sure. And some people mm-hmm. are like, well, that's going to take food out of my mouth. But you know what? Mm-hmm. If you're trying to assimilate into the system, there's going to be a lot of um, people who have who are going to have to lose something once mm-hmm. we get 
true equality because uh, it's been lopsided for too long. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And um, you know, it's it's a struggle. You know, even that I'm with uh, the Gersh Agency, and it's like there's a lot of black artists who are just like, ah, ah, ah you know, ah, you make me kind of nervous. You know? Yeah. And yeah. and and all my like I said, Holly Garima is still alive. Charles Burnett still alive. Mm -hmm. These guys are still trying to crowdfund projects. They're some of the greatest. Mm -hmm black filmmakers ever mm -hmm. and they have mm -hmm. not been respected as such and because mm -hmm. um, they never sold out they never sold out yeah. and they never gave in to the system but you know if you go watch sankofa watch sankofa and then mm -hmm. watch 12 years of slave right after mm -hmm. them and you can see mm -hmm. the different ways of approaching a similar topic mm -hmm. sankofa is mm -hmm. deep y'all i'm telling you mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. there's no white savior at sankofa mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and so um that's what i'm saying man it's like it's a battle. You have to be willing to sacrifice a lot if you want to do the right thing, because um, if you slip through the cracks and you get some success, there's people who will actively try to take you down because it's going to mess yeah, up their yeah. bag. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't want that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, mm -hmm. white supremacy is a hell of a drug, man. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, that is, uh, I can't, you know. I so, can't stand talking to Skinner. You, you know what I'm saying? All right, so just let, let's take a step back. Oh, okay. uh, dude has finished a feature and is, mm -hmm. is in the process of, you know, due to COVID being able to actually properly launch it after it's been sold, doing some traveling, mm -hmm. doing that. Working on the next feature, simultaneously working on a PhD mm -hmm. around all these concepts. Me. I was playing my Xbox all day. <laughs> This motherfucker got two kids. Bro, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, I'm in the same PhD, boat that he is. He's in. 12 movies. You know what I mean? And I'm like, let me play some Xbox. <laughs> you know? Oh, He's like building so, cameras on yeah. the set before he God. shoots with them. Yeah. You know? Shit. Using the so, chemicals to make the film that he's yeah. putting into the camera. Yeah. Shooting the motherfucker on film. Shooting God. shooting scenes where he plays all 15 people. <laughs> One oh camera God. shot. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I didn't get my cup of coffee today. Right. Damn. You know? I, I mean, there's a Respect, phrase for brother. this. Respect. It, it, well, it's called black excellence or just excellence. Is, you know. Yes. Um, yes, sir. Sorry, but, I cut you off, bro. No, but all of it. All of it. I'm saying all of it. Mm. And, and the kicker of all of this is that uh, while doing all of this is trying to redefine explore and help redefine what black cinema means mm. and and you know it when you're talking you about redefine it, cinema cinema period yeah, yeah. but by but by creating a voice mm -hmm. for specifically black cinema yeah. Yeah. and you know i think the the elephant in the room around that is skinner uh, like i'm talking to you like you're not even here mm -hmm. but you obviously have the ability to do the three-act piece mm-hmm to fit into the system it'll probably be more lucrative for you but if there aren't the people who are pushing these norms then the art doesn't the the art stagnates you know in the way that people sometimes talk about jazz and they say well you know once you have you know people paying large amounts of money to see jazz and in, 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 you know the time warner building or whatever then it, it's dead yeah. You know, yeah. and you know it becomes calcified it's the thing that you put in the museum where people are just replaying or rehashing the similar styles, but no one's pushing the medium forward. And mm -hmm. every style of music hits this point. Yeah. You know, even what you were talking about as far as like the original way, like the way you shot your movie, there's something punk rock about that. Mm -hmm. And there's something mm -hmm. early hip hop about that. You know what I mean? 
Uh, and and if if that struggle is not there, the medium does not push forward yeah. because then it turns into, oh, well, if I want, you know, I feel like to a certain extent, this is what's happened to rock music. Yeah. Rock music, there's a formula, there's a look, there's mm -hmm. a sound, there's a tone, there's a way it's recorded, just like jazz. Yeah. No, that's not jazz because it's not this. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you were, I, mean, I don't know if you're you're getting credit for this, but you're pushing the medium forward by creating an extreme and the extreme just happens to be a, not an extreme, but a truth. Mm. And just mm -hmm. acknowledge and, and creating spaces for that truth to be acknowledged through the storytelling portion and then mm -hmm. tying your technique to that. And that's why I was so curious about the slow film process. This is not even a question. This is more of a summary. Mm -hmm. am, I, am I getting all this right? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think, you know, late, late stage capitalism has commodified everything so much um, where art has just... Is, dying completely all art, art forms in america mm. is dying completely i mean in europe and canada and other places you have funding from the government to make films that will maintain mm -hmm. culture they don't care right. about making money and here yep. we mm -hmm. don't get that we don't do that here. and yeah. so yeah. um i'm watching just like i after my son's birthday party one of our neighbors projected a movie for all the little kids to watch at, at night and it was jungle cruise with the rock and um mm -hmm. uh, emily Emma Emily, something. Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. I'm watching this movie and the kids are entertained, but I'm just like, this is the most formulaic BS. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just boring and there's no soul to it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. for me, I only do this because I love the art. Um, mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't get into filmmaking to, to become rich and famous. Um, mm -hmm. It'd be nice to eventually not have all my student loan debt, but, um, you know, what you see is that there's certain types of filmmakers who can get studio money to make whatever they want. And they're usually not black. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And for black people, you have to, you know, play the studio game. I mean, my, one of my former classmates, uh, Stephen Cable Jr., he's directing Transformers 7 right now. And, mm -hmm. you know, other people that I went to school with are doing very well in the system. That's not yeah. why I got into this game. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm 41 now. Who knows how much time I have left? I want to spend it fighting uh, for a better future for Black people and the arts and life in general, um, because there's so much evil going on right now in yeah. this, in this, yeah. this country and the system. Um, and it, it's social media. It's turning people into zombies, soulless people. Mm -hmm. And um, we can't lose touch with that because if we do, then it, that's the end of the species. Yeah. It's it's the height of creativity because, you know, the, the one of the underlying things I'm hearing from you is that like with late stage capitalism, it's a calcification of things, right? It's like like what you said Kwaku, early hip hop to the golden age of hip hop. Dope. Yeah. And then the corporations saw, right. "Oh, we can make a hell of a lot of money right. with this." And yep. it started to suck. Yep. Right. Everything started to sound the same. Everything started to get it just just whitewashed, for lack of a better wow. word. Same thing happened with rock. Right. right. Like if you see the rock from the 60s, rock music from the 60s, yeah. amazing 70s. And then all of a sudden it started to calcify into this thing where every, let's say, hair band looked exactly the same. Yeah. Right. You had your Van Halen, but everything else sucked. Right. Yeah. And then you got like, let's say you go to the, you know, let's say the new age. Right. New age was cool until that started to calcify. And then you got the grunge and then that started to calcify. And it's like we what what I feel like you're doing, Skinner, 
is you're poking through all of that, is you're breaking all of that calcium up and then using it to seed the new thing, right? And you're saying, fuck the old system, fuck all of this. This is doesn't make sense. It's it's boring and like everybody wake the fuck up because there's something way more exciting that we could be doing and communicating because that's the only way we get to the next level. Because calcification means it's all gonna turn into stone mm-hmm. and we're gonna all die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I love like, that. I love it, that. It, yeah. it behooves us to like do something new and special instead of just trying to make money, yeah. which is great. We all want to eat. Yeah. But like, how much do we actually exactly. need? Exactly. Right? We don't need billionaires. In this yeah. life. We don't need billionaires. We, we kind of don't. We, we don't. Really. And um, yeah. there's a lot of people who could use that extra money. There's so mm-hmm. many people in the country, not in the world, who can't even like eat or pay their bills. Yeah. Like, we're mm-hmm. talking bare necessities mm-hmm. uh, of survival. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, beyond white supremacy, there's anti-blackness. So you have mm-hmm. uh, blacks on bottom, whites on top, and, it, every, and everyone else in between. And mm-hmm. if it means that black people get a little bit of um, uh, benefits through a system, then whites and other people, in terms of anti-blackness, would rather burn the whole thing down than us get anything. Yeah. I mean, you saw the pools yeah. the, during Jim Crow. They would fill the yep. pools with concrete. So no one can. I was just about to say that. No one can I was just that. about to say that. You, you know, yep. cut their nose off yeah. spite their face, and um, yeah, you know that's uh, for me that type of mentality that goes beyond mm-hmm. spiritual. It, it's psychopathic, and yeah. it, mm-hmm. you yep. know, trauma is generational. Um, Dr. Joy DeGru has a great book called Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome um, mm-hmm. that everyone should check out, and. Um, mm-hmm. Talks about how you know slaves are scared of losing their kids, so they would apologize a mm-hmm. lot. They would beat them. The master wouldn't yeah. beat them, and you know, I'm guilty of doing that because I'm a generationally I'm still traumatized from my ancestors yeah. and white people yeah. too, which if they don't realize it or not, are still traumatized from all their ancestors lynching uh, and mm-hmm. looting uh, black yeah. communities. You know that 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 stuff follows you, man. Mm-hmm. And um, I agree. You know, we you can't escape it by denying it verbally. Mm-hmm. It's gonna haunt you. So you gotta, yeah. So okay. you gotta slow down and sit in it yep. and no. face, face it, it, which I yeah. feel is you yeah, face it. yeah. Um, which I feel is what you're doing. Yep. And mm-hmm. so uh, I don't know, man. I, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm excited to go overseas. Uh, we gotten a lot of love overseas. I think if I could find some co-productions. I just feel like, um, and you know, obviously there's issues too in Belgium and France and all these places, but in terms of financing for art projects, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot more availability over there and, and they still appreciate art. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't here. And so um, yeah. it's really unfortunate too because Hollywood has a, enough money where they mm-hmm. can keep their tent poles, but then siphon off uh, money yeah. for art house films. And it would, I'm telling you, there's so many people who want to see that stuff. If I yeah. say, you know, you want a salad, but I say, well, you can only choose between a hamburger and pizza. That's not freedom. Those are two yeah. horrible choices. Yeah. Right. And that's what we have mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's people who want other stuff, but there's, they're not getting it. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, it's probably going to take me a little while. Um, grassroots over here, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Uh, but I want to get it done as much as I can. And yeah. in the meantime... You know, I, I, I finished my, so I had this show called Jim Crow and I wrote it as a novel. I finished it last year and we've gotten some great feedback. So I'm just going to start writing more novels. 
Mm-hmm. Something I can okay. just needed. Wait, novel? Yeah, wait, no, wait. I, I wanted to make time sure out. you picked time up out. on that. I wanted to make sure you picked up on that. He finished a novel. This so there's the, the film, the new film, the PhD. He this finished a novel, has two kids, moved cities. Yeah. This motherfucker. God. You know what I mean? You feel bad. Oh. Me, I'm in the same exact boat, and I was like, I, 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 I exercised today. I That's thought what I was I doing pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I thought I was doing pretty <laughs> before good. Before you, get before on you got on Skinner. <laughs> before you got on, we we're talking about it. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to do a little exercise on the bike. He's like, yeah, man, I'm just running 15 miles a week. I'm like, this fine. <laughs> <laughs> Skinner, Skinner will save us all, bro. <laughs> you know, but it's it, you know, just on a side note, it's it's always good. You know, I'm kidding about like, I hate Skinner and uh, it makes me feel bad. It, it, it really this is this is part of the um, the uh, what I love about Radio Zimbunda is like if I see somebody res- respect doing well, there's not an ounce of like jealousy mm-hmm. or envy. It's like, oh, man, like, what can I do? It's giving me ideas. It's Inspiration. inspirational yep. to talk to you and, yep. and, 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 and Kwaku and and just have these great conversations where we're just like spitting off of each other because we don't know where it's going to yeah. go. Right. We don't know what it is, but like we're we're allowing ourselves to give these each other these seeds and these jewels of like wisdom. Yes. And uh, and it's building us all up. And just like you said, you know, just two seconds ago, you know, there is a psychopathy behind kicking everybody out of the pool and filling it up with concrete because you don't get to swim either. Yeah. Right. Sure. And so if you have accumulated in Kwaku, you've heard me say this a billion times on this this podcast if somebody can accumulate $150 billion, just one dude, yeah. that means poverty does not actually exist. Mm-hmm. Like yep. it's, it's a construct yeah. because like there's plenty of resources to go around. It's just one dude has them all, right? And so I, I don't mean, I, I, obviously poverty exists, oh, sure. but poverty yeah. is, is we can get rid of it purposeful, it. right? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Poverty is on purpose. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. Yep. It's, it's just crazy. Press. And, um, I, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, you just got to keep fighting every day, but also trying to do it, you know, on my own terms because, uh, mm-hmm. you only get one life and it's not, yeah. um, you don't want to live for other people. You know? mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, just trying to keep it, keep everything afloat and, um, uh, hopefully can make this film next summer. Um, mm-hmm. and see how the release of the Sleeping Negro goes overseas. You know, we're hoping to sell it over there because mm-hmm. we, we only sold the North American rights. So you know, we've still got more territories mm-hmm. to, to conquer. Anyway, um, but yeah. Whew. So Team Skinner, y'all. Man. Team Skinner. If you sign, ain't Team Skinner from before, <laughs> you need to be Team Skinner right now. Sign us up. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I don't even, okay. So this, this yeah. is what I'm going to say because mm-hmm. it's, it's, and I, we say this all the time and that's why we're starting to bring people back. Yeah. Um, it's not that like we're not meeting as many interesting people, but it is yeah. equally enjoyable, at least for me, you know, to have the initial mystery interaction or introduction to someone mm-hmm. and then be able to catch up with them, whether it be, I mean, at this point, so like a few years later, yeah that's the schedule that we're on and to see yeah. where their journey has taken them yeah. and to, you know, to Otto's point to be continually inspired. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I know Skinner, we've been talking about that. We were talking about bringing you back pre COVID, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and COVID hit. And so I'm glad we were finally able to like make wow. it work yeah. with everybody's yeah. schedules. Yeah. yeah. And I, 
yeah, I, I, you have people in your life where you're just like, man, that dude, I love yeah. that dude. Every yeah. time I talk to that dude, I get, I, it makes me think, all right, man, I need to, I need to get on my grind in the same way mm. that he is doing th- mm. this thing mm. or in the same way that she is doing that thing. And mm. Skinner, you are that person to me. I can't speak for Otto because he didn't even recognize <laughs> you in the beginning of the podcast. So he ain't shit, man. Skinner ain't that. shit. He didn't Fuck even that dude. about you. Fuck right? Skinner. I did. Shit. I was lying this whole time. <laughs> Wasting my motherfucking time with this Skinner bullshit. Uh-uh. Give me my movie in three acts, motherfucker. <laughs> With and the like chicken. 4,000 cuts. With the chicken. God damn it. We, I want you to come back because I want to talk about, I mean, I, I, I was going interge- to, I was going to interject a little bit about like the, the, what is it? The attention economy mm-hmm. and the idea mm-hmm. about how our attention is for sale mm-hmm. in ways yeah. that are, that are, mm. that are really frightening. And so that, hence the cuts. Yeah. And, you know, I want to talk about Mr. Rogers. Like I tried to, I don't know, Skinner, I don't know if you've done this with your kids. I tried to show my kids Mr. Rogers and they can't mm. because mm. he is, he is the OG slow cinema. Mm-hmm. He's everything that, everything that Negro did was slow. Yeah. Tying his shoes, yeah. <laughs> taking yeah. off his coat, yeah, sweat, yeah. Sweater. you know, yeah. the sweater, everything. Yeah. Um, but his whole thinking, which is, which has an interesting parallel to what you described. His whole thinking was mm. that's that kids need to be able to slow down. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and culturally what we're doing now is we're speeding everyone up, mm-hmm. which means that no one's remembering anything. No, mm-hmm. Nothing means anything, right. mm-hmm. the, you know? And if, if we're not remembering anything, especially our mistakes, mm-hmm. then how do we improve upon them in the future? Yeah, repeat You know? Yeah. So with that being said. Yeah, that's brilliant, yep. You with the gray t-shirt, <laughs> who, are, who are you? I'm Otto and who are you? I am Kwaku, and this is Radio Zamunda, the dope shit. And who is Grayson? <laughs> the mic drop in science and mics left and right. But who is this Negro who ain't sleeping? Never. It's Skinner Myers. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. Killing the game, oh. taking yeah. names, forging new paths, and whooping yeah. that ass. I just made all that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And if y'all don't know, you better know now. Now you do. Yeah. Good grief, man. Woo. Skinner, thank you. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thanks, right. dude. Let's not make it five years between no. this, this one yeah. and the next one. Yeah. yeah. Let's cut that yeah. in half yeah. at least. Yeah. Yeah, come out to Colorado. I got to sit in the class and be like, yo, teach. What's up? You got to teach me. You know? I'm gonna have to do Who's that. Who's sleeping so. now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, that was awesome. good. Peace. All right. Peace, peace, peace. It's a secret society. All we ask is trap. All we got is love. Loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. Loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. Kung Fu Kenny now. My resume is real enough for two millenniums. A better way to make a way instead of finishing. I was lying the whole time. Hate that, hate that cat. Man, so fucking awesome, Jesus. Um, if he wasn't so nice, I would honestly feel self-conscious. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's got such a you know I love uh, and uh, want to develop some of his um, knowledge of cinema, which you know me as an actor in 25 years, I don't know cinema as deeply as he does. He's a true. He speaks like all the filmmakers that I know that I, I kind of aspire to in my late life or whatever. And so it's uh, it just just from a 
cinematic perspective alone and knowing what his you know his uh his eye is and knowing what his tastes are it's really uh uh fantastic to just sit and chill and listen to him because it's like you know getting a free college course because i guess he's a college professor now so yeah you know yeah so it's pretty awesome and a college professor yeah 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 yeah. you know that cat is busy first of all the fact that he is he is teaching young filmmakers Mm -hmm. that's amazing yeah yeah that is yeah that is so necessary so amazing and i doubt within his classes i could be wrong but he's Mm -hmm. as you know raw as he as he was with us yeah but even being able to create uh the opportunity for young filmmakers to see different things and Mm -hmm. ask and have them ask questions about the structure of of what cinema is or what hollywood is and that concept of other the idea of if it doesn't fit here Mm -hmm. it's other it's Mm -hmm. foreign it's weird yeah it's not profitable yeah this isn't what you want to be doing yeah Oh, I think he's as raw as he is. I think. You think so? Yeah. Oh, I think. Uh, yeah. Just knowing a little bit about him, I, you know, he's sure. not like, uh, he's not an asshole, but he's 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 not a person who beats around the bush. You know yep. what I mean? He's not. Yep. He's not. He's, you know, like he says, he's antagonistic, but like wisely so. Not yep. loud, not brash, but he's just saying, "Hey, this is what it is." I'm yeah. sorry that you you I'm sorry that you won't face it, but this is what it is. And like that sort of calm tone that he has, which is, I think, kind of amazing. So I, I can imagine myself as a young filmmaker, perhaps, you know, in my you know late teens, early 20s, getting, you know, Professor Myers and being like, yo, that dude is what? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like getting my my mind shook about especially if I if I don't have, let's say, the 21 year old me who is just coming out of, you know, uh, you know, high school and college and, and being in white spaces and sort of like having even, you know, our own Ghanaian background of like what success is, which is also mm-hmm. steeped in white supremacy mm-hmm. and all of mm-hmm. that and colonialism. And then yep. having like a Professor Skinner just like slap the shit out of me and being like, yo, that's what this world is, man. So right. I, I know. And he's in Colorado. It's not like he's up in uh, the Bronx. Uh, right. Right. Or, right. Right. <laughs> Or, you know, so. or or Compton, I was gonna say, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. But Compton yeah. isn't Compton anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the way that yeah. Brooklyn isn't Brooklyn anymore. Sure, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, there's uh, you know, and I know you're a deeply religious person. Um, <laughs> so this will resonate with you. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus would um you know, he would kick it with uh with the prostitutes and mm-hmm. lepers. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because yeah, he yeah. was with the people that the work had to be done with. Right. And right. that's what Skinner's doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd even say, you know, I just because of this, I'm going to go way off subject. You know, Here we this, go. You know, just because of, you know, the the whole OnlyFans shutting down because of sexual content or whatever and all that stuff. And what I like about the backlash against that, um, because it's a place that sex workers can actually, you know, work and make all money. that stuff yep. and make money. And it's like, what and this is how I'm wrapping it back with Skinner. All of that stuff has to blow up. Like the looking at sex workers as if they're like you know that they're, they're lower other people, right? Because oh, okay. you, you know what I'm saying. I'm right. Gonna, I'm, can I can I add on to this? Please, please, yeah. Do you know why they're shutting down like the sex worker? So I'm I'm going to clarify a little bit. Mm-hmm. OnlyFans isn't shutting down. What they're doing yeah is yeah they're I didn't shutting, mean shutting down. down. Yes, yeah. there's but yes, they're shutting yes. down the ability. Mm-hmm. for sex workers yes. to make money Sorry, through their I site. That. Yes. And you, do you know why they're doing it? Yes. I was listening to something. Right, yeah. what, what have you heard? 
I just read an article that they're doing it because they their standards had been violated by like they they were they were sort of enabling uh, child pornography and all this awful mm. stuff there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they because of a BBC interview the BBC people started to find out that, oh, they it's not the sex worker part that's the problem, but they're letting all of this, like, really awful stuff that should be banned and should be stopped, like child pornography and shit, like, happen. And so they are covering their asses by just shutting down all of okay. the, you know, content, not just, you know, the sexual. They're trying to cover their asses by is, is what this sounded like. So that's interesting because I heard mm. something different. Mm. I heard that they were looking for venture capital funding. Oh. And the fact that they had, quote unquote, nefarious content oh. was preventing them from getting funding, even though they're valued really high. Yeah. And so that's why they're doing it, which to me, which mm. once uh, that ties into the piece with Skinner mm. around mm-hmm. around the mm. culture, because these people who don't either understand what sex workers do, mm-hmm. the, the value that need that and the respect that they need to be given for the work that mm-hmm. they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're just saying, well, we can't put money into this because then that makes us look bad. Yeah. Which ties into the, the system and the structure. Yeah. And all of it, it I think, you know, because there are lots of companies, let's say Facebook for one, who mm-hmm. do all this stuff mm-hmm. that is negative, you know, mm-hmm. around uh, allowing people to post complete lies mm-hmm. around vaccines and, mm-hmm. and, and validating mm-hmm. like horrible, horrible things. Yeah. And they don't care yeah, yeah. because the money still comes in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it usually it feels like it's larger corporations when the bottom line's affected, mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's a moral reason to right. make these shifts. Right. And I think it sounds like it's a combination of both. Because, you know, that, that BBC article came out and that mm. really looks bad, right? right. It's not, right. It's no, not I'm, I'm sure showing it's not boobs and dicks now. It's now right. like, oh, you've got child kitty porn on there. Like, mm-mm, right? And yeah, so, because they're still going to allow nudity. Right. So, so that's, you know, taking it back to the Skinner thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we got here. But <laughs> no, no, no. But like, no, <laughs> yeah, but do, I'm, no, I'm saying do. honestly, like, that's all the bullshit that he's trying to break through because that's the calcification of in late stage capitalism, right? Late yeah. stage capitalism, yeah. we don't care how we make the money. As long We're just going to make, make the money. Yep. Oh, and then if you catch us doing something that might make us not make money, oh, then we'll, like you said, we'll have the morality around right. it, right? Exactly. But the whole, the roots of the system is rotten. It's the yep. roots of it that's rotten, not not yep. the actual thing. But like the others are the ones who get tagged with it. So it's the, you know, the quote unquote prostitutes or the quote unquote lepers or the, or the gay people or the black people or whoever. The others right. are the ones who are blamed for what they are now moralizing about, which is, I think, in a way, wrapping it back to Skinner, what he's doing. He's like, none of this works. This yes. is all bullshit. I'm yes. going to do my own thing. I don't give a fuck about your three acts. Cool, cool, cool. But I'm going to do my own shit, which is right. kind of amazing. And so now you're, you've got my head spinning, too, because mm-hmm. there was this article in Wired magazine about a year ago about uh, digital blackface and how it's profitable mm-hmm. to companies like TikTok based upon their algorithms. Mm-hmm. So essentially, if you're not familiar with it, mm-hmm. um, digital blackface would be uh, someone other than someone who's black mm-hmm. who's um, acting out black tropes yep, yep. within a TikTok mm-hmm. and how the that resonated with viewers and so their algorithm 
tends to highlight those videos Mm -hmm. as opposed to Mm -hmm. someone who is a black person Mm -hmm. who is this is actually their life and so to them this isn't a Mm -hmm. shtick that they're doing Mm -hmm. but this is just who they are and presenting their lives and they are trying to be social media influencers on one Mm -hmm. level or another Mm -hmm. but someone who isn't who is other to black people can i say that is that a thing uh yeah (laughs) might as well you know what i mean yeah yeah. but taking black culture Mm -hmm. mimicking it Mm mm-hmm and actually getting the views, which again ties to money, and mm-hmm. nothing has been done about that. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to Elvis. I mean, I mean, no Man. offense against Elvis, but like he was singing "Hound Dog," which is not his song. Which he right. was singing the blues. He was singing all that stuff. He became famous. Uh, um, I'm, now I'm forgetting um, who is who's the um, woman who sang that originally. I can't. Believe, it's not Big Mama oh, Thornton. I, don't remember. I think it's Big Mama Thornton. It anyway, that's her song, right? But right. when she's singing that song, she's black. It's too black, right. black, 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 black. But it's right. a really beautiful looking white man with a great hair and he's doing these moves, right? And then suddenly it's um, it's um, it's palatable by right. the white majority, which is right. what jazz was, right? Jazz, just like Skinner's going off to Europe and all that stuff to promote his movie. Um, it's the same way that, exactly. I'm not saying that's his exact same thing, but like, Miles and Train and all those yep. guys. I was thinking that when Europe, he said that, right? Yeah, going yeah. to Europe because he kept saying the yeah. reception so much warmer there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Same thing. So, and it was Big Mama Thornton. I just it was Big Mama Thornton. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I can, I can keep my blues card. <laughs> Stick that thing right back yeah, in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> see what but, Skinner uh, got us doing is just like you know that's that's the kind of thing that I was talking about at the end of this is like there are all these you know. Um, um, uh, tributaries of ideas that come from, you know, sort of communing with a guy like Skinner and you, you know what I mean? That sort of like branch out into other things and you start to see, it's like, you know, Neo figuring out the matrix and going, holy shit, we're in the matrix. Now, how do I get out? You know what I mean? So uh, I think conversations like this always has to, we always have to continue these kinds of conversations because it's the only way we're even going to attempt to at least get our grandkids out of this shit. So man, and and having someone like Skinner who is pushing mm-hmm. that conversation mm-hmm. because uh, it's like even and I'll, I'll do this and we we can wrap shortly. Yep. You know, he was talking about how he doesn't believe in the three act piece. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who will flirt with the three act mm-hmm. model. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they do it in a which way is up approach of, of mm-hmm. storytelling. Like you don't know what's happening, but it is the three act piece. Mm-hmm. And they'll use that to talk about race in a really um, uh, in a a way that might seem new, mm-hmm. but really isn't. Mm-hmm. Get Out, mm-hmm. the movie. Get Out, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's three acts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the topic matter and like the the, the mashup between mm-hmm. horror and uh, talking about society in that mm-hmm. way. And a surrealistic made, thing. The too. surrealistic mm-hmm. piece. That mm-hmm. made it seem fresh, but it is mm-hmm. the three act thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's something that's flirting with it. Mm-hmm. And Get Out, I feel there isn't a space for a Get Out mm-hmm. without people like Skinner and some of the other directors he was yeah. and he mentioned mm-hmm. that push to a really far extreme right. to create a voice for black people mm-hmm. in this medium mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. way and a big part of that is challenging the structures and yeah. it's like I was thinking atonal music mm-hmm. when he was talking about that yeah. we're used like the when he was talking about music mm-hmm. being um both of you were saying music's European mm-hmm. it's not even music I don't even think it's music to European it's just mm-hmm. like this is what um, this is a structure that has been determined. Mm-hmm. And so we don't think of these things, structures as European. We just think of them as right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we, anything else sounds weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and it's so, not music. Yeah. And it's not music. Right. And yeah. so anyone who's pushing to norm um, the idea of more than one approach, mm-hmm. that's powerful. And we need mm-hmm. that. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. So. Um, shit. <laughs> So Skinner's dope, right? Fuck you, Skinner. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Make me think about shit. Fuck you. Anyway. Why? Being you, amazing. <laughs> He's being amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so with that being said, who are you? I'm Otto, and who are you? I'm Kwaku, and this is Radio's Moon to the dope shit. Hit me! When the four corners of this cocoon collide, you'll slip through the cracks hoping that you'll survive.